Hey everybody, this is Lucas from Coastal Vineyard. Just wanted to say thank you for downloading this podcast or maybe picking up a CD after service. We love you and we are praying for you. We believe that your best days are yet to come. So expect the best. We hope that this message inspires you and moves your faith into action. So sit back and enjoy. On the Rock which is Jesus Christ. So I want to continue kind of in that same vein, and I want to talk about two pitfalls when it comes to having a dream from God and you begin to walk out that dream. Two pitfalls that commonly can get a lot of people frustrated when they begin to walk out their dreams with God. Um, One of the probably more popular books here in America in the last few years, it has sold more than 30 million copies is The Purpose Driven Life. Odds are you've heard of it if it's sold 30 million copies. Great book. What I love about the book is the very first sentence in the book. The very first line of this book that has sold more than 30 million copies starts out like this. It's not about you. You could have just stopped right there and that would have been a great book. Because that's completely contrary to what everyone else teaches us. That it's all about us. And it's all about what, what's the personal thing. And no, it's not all about you. So the first trap that we can kind of get caught into is thinking that it is all about us. And when we have these dreams from God, we first got to realize that if we're going to walk out these things and build our life on this foundation of the word and on God, and we want to know what it's supposed to be, what we were made for, We can't go any other place than God. So in other words, creation, creator. Who knows better what I'm created for than my creator? And so why would I go somewhere else and ask other people or other things or other circumstances in my life to define what I am created for? Rather not go to the source of my creator and say, God, what have you made me for? If you would, please, Colossians 1 and 16. If you don't have your Bibles, it will be on the screen. Colossians 1 and 16, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. So this, this verse right here, all things are created through him and for him. Uh, the message says it like this, everything got its start in him and finds its purpose in him. So it kind of wraps it all up right there. If you're looking for all things created through him, for him. Um, what really kind of gets me about this is, is, is it saying God, creator, not just the visible things, but the invisible things. Not just the things that I could see with my eyes and touch and, you know, chairs and people and plants and trees, but even all of the things that I can't see. All of the invisible is created by him for him. The human ear. If you are listening to me right now, as a matter of fact, every sound that you have ever heard in your entire life has come in this range of sound between 20 and 20,000 hertz. That is the, hu- the human spectrum, hertz, 
that you can actually hear. Anything below that spectrum, you can't hear. Anything above that spectrum, you can't hear. So that's why when someone blows a dog whistle, it is blowing a whistle at a frequency above 20,000 hertz, and you can't hear it. But, of course, it doesn't mean that it's not there. So with our ears, we're hearing inside of this little spectrum between 20 and 20,000. And every sound from the lowest bass note, 20, which is, you know, your next-door neighbor with the kid with all the speakers in his back car, you know, as low as he can go, 20 hertz, all the way up to the highest, you know, school teacher with the nails on the chalkboard, all of that. And everything in between this whole range is where our ears are hearing. And it's the same thing with our sight. Our sight, every color that you've seen, every brightest of white, every darkest of black has operated within a certain range, and that's measured in nanometers, from 400 to 700 nanometers. So all of this, everything that you're seeing right now is within this range. Every red that you're seeing, every blue, every green, everything that you have and ever will see is created by God, and what you're seeing is just inside of this little range. Everything that you're hearing, everything that you're seeing, and what God is saying is I've created everything that is visible to you inside of your range and everything that you can't see as well. So everything that you can't see, which amounts to about this, and God's saying there's also all this. Everything that you could hear and then everything that you can't. So there's all of these sounds that we've never heard, all of these things that we've never seen. So there's the visible, and there is the invisible. Um, it just kind of begins to get your mind wrapped around the bigness of God, and that everything is created by him, for him, and through him. And so um, not too long ago, I lived uh, closer to my grandma. And, you know, like I just said, the normal hearing range is in this range. Well, grandma's hearing range is even smaller. Grandma's hearing range, if you want to talk to grandma, you have to get up real close. And you have to say, Grandma, what are you doing today? Because that has now become her hearing range. And so you have to, like, literally just give it. I mean, you, you, you almost feel like you're yelling at grandma. And so, Grandma, how are you doing it? So what I've learned to do is I kind of started playing this little trick on grandma. I would go up to grandma, and I would taper it off. As, as I would talk to her. So, Grandma, how are you doing today? I hope you're doing good. And she'd be like, what? What? Grandma, I hope you're doing good. I'll see you later, okay? And she would just, like, look at me like, oh. And everybody else would be like, that's not cool. Don't do that. Don't do that to your grandma. And I would tell her, you know, but it was just so much fun. But it just got me thinking, the bigness of God, this range that we could see and that we could hear, And yet, God's saying, I've created the visible and the invisible. What if we could see the invisible? What if we could see all of the other things that God has going on that we don't even know about? Um, 2 Kings 6. 2 Kings 6. Um, And 14. Let me actually read that one. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. 
And when the servants of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And the servant said to him, at last, my master, what shall we do? So he answered and said this, do not fear, for those that are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed. And just wait a second before we get to that. Imagine you're there, and there's this city that the Bible's talking about, and all of a sudden, they're surrounded. The city is surrounded, and there's all these people with horses and chariots. And so the servant goes up to Elijah, and he says, uh, what are we going to do? Look at all of these horses and all of these chariots. And then Elijah just prays, and he says this, Lord, I pray that you would open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around. So all of a sudden, let me just kind of blank. It wasn't that he was physically blind, that he couldn't see. He could, he could see. And so he's, he's talking to Elijah and saying, look, we're surrounded by all these people. What are we going to do? There's fear in his heart. And Elijah prays and says, God, open to his eyes to all these things that he can't see. And then all of a sudden, the Lord opens his eyes, and he begins to see all of the invisible, all of the things, everything that, because on the Inside of this spectrum, it just looks like, hey, we are surrounded. There's no way out. Lord, open his eyes that he may see. What if we could see all of the things that were going on around us? Because sometimes, let's face it, it looks like we're the underdog. It looks like we're the one that's surrounded. Sometimes it looks like the church is the one that is in need. It looks like the church is defeated. It looks like the church is going down. But we got to remember there's a whole lot going on that we're not seeing. There's a whole lot going on. The word says we battle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces. So there's all of these things that are happening that we're not even seeing. What if we could see them? And see, the same thing is happening in your life. It may look as if those dreams and those things that you're pursuing have fallen to the wayside. It may look like you're defeated. But let me assure you, it only looks that way. We don't know all of the rest that God has going on. We, it's hard sometimes to see that, hey, there are more of us than there are more of them. Because sometimes it looks like there's a whole lot more of them. Sometimes it looks like I'm surrounded. Sometimes it looks like I am going down. Lord, open my eyes that I could see what you really have going on. Because remember, everything was created by him, for him, through him. And so all of these things are happening. I think if we could see a little bit of the invisible, it would change the way that we pray. And I also think that it would change the way that we dream. We would begin to dream bigger dreams. We would begin to see more, okay, God, let's move in faith. Let's step out. Paul perfect example. You look at Paul on the outside, this man has been shipwrecked. He's been left for dead. He's been stoned. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what happens to this guy. And it's not that he has just the worst luck in all of history. It's that there's a plan and a purpose for him. And things that even that he can't see are fighting against him. All these powers, all these forces are fighting against him to keep him from doing what God has called him to do. The same is true of us. The realization that we are in a battle. 
And sometimes when people come against us, sometimes when we begin, you know, we, I talk about um, dreams and stepping out in faith and following God, but the reality is there's a whole group of people, when I even mention that, they want to say, no, Lucas, I've been there and I've done that. I've tried to step out my dreams before and I've tried to take a step of faith. I, you know, they told me to try to walk on water and I sank. I, I tried to, to go and help these people and you know what, they rejected me. I, I tried to buy in and get a part of the vision and things got worse. And so when you talk about dreams, there's a big part of me that just wants to say, not again. I've been there, I've done that, and that hurt. I believe there might be a few people in this room that feel like that. And that's understandable. We go out there, and, but the thing is we've got to remember that we're battling not against flesh and blood. Those people that are opposing you, it's about more than just them. It's about more than just them. It's about more than just you. Um, 1 Kings 19. And I promise I'm going to make it all make sense here in a second. 1 Kings 19. And verse 10. And Elijah is speaking with God, and he's just gotten finished doing some of, like, the greatest kind of miracles and ministry that has taken place he is there has been a drought in the land he's called down rain called down fire and burnt burnt up altars stood up for the lord stand and proclaimed god's name in the midst of hundreds of people that were against him but now he finds himself on the run and now it says he went into a cave and spent the night and the word of the lord came to him and said this what are you doing here See, maybe there's a lot of us that have stepped out in our dreams and begin to follow God only to be met with opposition, and so we retreated back to the cave. And then God shows up, and God says, what are you doing here? And then he responds with the same response that we want. He said, look, I've been very zealous for the Lord, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've killed your prophet with a sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. So he's just kind of whining to God right now. Kind of like, look at all the stuff I've done, and now look at what's happening against me. God, it's just me. It's all, I'm all alone, you know. And God it seemingly, seemingly like just doesn't even hear his excuse. Like, he, he goes on, and the Lord responds to him again, what? are you doing here? It's a hard question when we hear from God, and he responds with the exact same thing. Look, I've been zealous for God. I've been trying to do all the things that you've told me to do, but look at what's happening in my life. Look at all these things that are coming against me, and God's saying, it's not just about you. There's more at stake than this than just you, and you're looking at just what you can see right here, but then look, there's all these other people that are just as committed as you are, that are just as devoted as you are, that have the same heartbeat and the same passion, but you think it's all about you. See, sometimes when we begin to move with God, things break our hearts. You know, we, we go 
on that mission trip or we even cross the street or something and we see that children, that, that child that is hungry and just everything within us just wants to help feed that child. Or that woman that's being abused. Or the stories of children being involved in the sex trade. Or all of these different things that it just resonates in our heart and our lives. And, man, we just have to do something about it. But the problem is whenever we tried and we tried to help those people, we got rejected. And then we could fall into that trap of thinking it's all about us. But then we could fall into the second trap. We could fall into the trap of thinking it's all about them. Until everything that you're doing is all for them. And it's not. It can never be all for them. And I know this is a little bit different than maybe what you've heard before. That, oh, you have to do it for the people, for the people. No, we do it for God. And see, sometimes when we begin to think that it's all about the people and it's all about them, what will happen is the natural reaction is for us to think, like Elijah, that we're all alone. That I'm the only one out there. That I'm, I'm putting in all this blood, sweat, and tears to help these people. And now they're rejecting me. So what happens is what starts out as passion can end up as bitterness. What started out as, man, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to help you. I'm going to do this. And then two years go by. Rejection takes place. Heartache takes place. Opposition takes place. And the next thing you know, we're bitter. And so the very thing that once broke our heart has now left us angry and upset and frustrated. Now, I know you can't nod your head and agree with me right now, but I know a few of you know what I'm talking about. What started out as just amazing ends up being a cause of frustration. That job, that, oh, man, God gave me this job. It's so amazing. I love this job. (coughs) Two weeks later, I hate this job. You know what I'm talking about. But why is that? Because if we make it all about us, or all about them, that's the natural outcome. And Jesus is saying, I made all things in me, through me, for me. So, in other words, what I'm doing right now, man, I would love to see every person in Brunswick County come to know Jesus Christ. But it's about more than that. It's, it's not about just me helping people. It's about me being obedient to God. And so, God, however you want that to take place, whether I don't see it this morning or not, whether I give a salvation call time after time after time again and no one ever gets saved, it's okay. Because I'm going to do it because you told me to do it. Because it's, it's about more than that. It's about Jesus. Is not the lamb that was slain deserving of the reward of his suffering. Please turn with me to Romans chapter 11. Romans 11 and verse 25. Paul speaking, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of these mysteries, lest you should be wise in your own opinions, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. 
And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant for them. When I take away their sins concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of their fathers. For the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so these also have been disobedient, that through the mercy shown, you they also may obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience, that he might have mercy on all. Okay, I know this could kind of be a little bit of a confusing portion of scripture, so I'd kind of like want to break it down to you. What he's saying is this. Um, there was this gift, and God came, and where's Devin at? Is she right here? Could you come here, please? Uh, you are going to represent the Jews. You are going to re- represent God's loved people because I love you and you know, you're, that's just who you're going to be. So God comes and he says, um, I have this gift. You're my chosen people. The promise that has come down from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that through Abraham he's going to make all of these great nations that are going to come through him. And so he comes and he gives this gift and the gift is Jesus Christ salvation, the one that's been prophesied and talked about for thousands of years. But the thing is, this one that's to come and take away all of the sins of the world doesn't come in a pretty package. It doesn't come as the Jews are expecting. The Jews are expecting, oh, the king is going to come. He's going to come in this way, in this such a way. So when offered to the Jews, they reject it. And so then the gospel message goes to the Gentiles, you and me, everyone else, and they accept it, Gentile. And so what does it say now? It's saying this. So now does it mean that because they have rejected this gospel message, that yes, in terms of the gospel, they are now enemies, They are not just rejecting the gift, but they are now opposing the gift that God has given them. Jesus Christ, he's not the Savior. He's not the Messiah. But now what what has taken, does it mean now that God doesn't love them? No. Because of this. Sorry, the thing blew my thing. Because of this. Romans 11. Concerning the election, they are beloved for the sakes of, of their father because of this because of a promise that was given way back when it doesn't matter what they do now because the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable so in other words it doesn't matter how much we fight against it it doesn't matter how much we reject it God's love is unchangeable we want you anyway even though you fight against it Even though enemies of the gospel, we, it doesn't matter because of the promise of your fathers for the sake 
of the Father. See, sometimes we like to think in things in terms of the things that we have now and the promises that come to us. But the, the Bible teaches in terms of inheritance. See, it's not just about what's promised to you, but what's been promised to your father and to your grandfather. And all of those things are irrevocable. All of those things, it doesn't matter how far we try to run away. God is still calling you back. God is still calling the Jews into himself. It doesn't matter if you've rejected the gospel. It doesn't matter if you've rejected me as being your savior. I still love you. I still want you. Do you see how important that is? Because that lets us know that if we are followers of Christ and living like Christ and doing the things that Christ has told us to do, we are going to face the same situations that Christ did. We are going to offer our gift to the world, and there are going to be those that reject it. And there are going to be those that not only just reject it, but fight against it. And in their fighting against it, we... There's, there could be that thing inside of us that just wants to come against them now. But remember, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but spiritual things. And so God is saying, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't matter how much you hate me, I love you. It doesn't matter how much you're opposed to this thing that I'm trying to do, I love you anyway. Amen. It doesn't matter how far you've gone, please come back. Amen. Do you see that? And that is the same kind of life that we are to live. Sometimes the package doesn't come as we expect it would. Sometimes the ways of God, he goes on to say this, for who has the mind of the Lord? Who can become his counselor? Who could give God some counsel? Anybody in here? Eh, Don't think it's going to happen. Or who has first given to him, and it shall be repaid to him, for of him and through him and to him all things. Be the glory in everything to God be the glory. In my success, God be the glory. In my failure, to God be the glory. And it doesn't matter whether you accept or reject, I'm going to love you anyway. It doesn't matter if even as an enemy, your election is sure because I'm still coming after you. Man, if we could live like that. Because remember, it's a promise of God. And the promises of God, the things that God has spoken into our lives, and not just our lives, but our fathers and grandfathers and those before them, they're not returning void. The gifts and the callings are irrevocable. And so this morning, as I pass out that little white piece of paper, I'd like you to grab it now. And I'd like to th- for you to think about a person that needs to know Jesus. And I want you to write their name on that piece of paper. That person may be very far away from God. That person may be opposing God at this very moment. Think about it for a minute. And write their name on that piece of paper.
It's not about you. And that person's name that you wrote on that piece of paper, they are part of the dream that God has for your life. Because remember, God sees the big picture. And the very fact that God has placed them on your heart, that you wrote their name on that piece of paper, means they have something to do with you. And so I want you to commit to praying for this person, even if they oppose you, even if that name is your own name, even if this morning you find yourself far away from God, running. Have you walked away from your dreams? Have you been hurt by the very ones that you've tried to help? I think God's saying, it's okay. Come back. It's time to take another step of faith. Let's do it again. Doesn't mean it's going to get easier. Sometimes, maybe this morning, God is talking to you just like he did Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? I know all of this other stuff, all the things. I know you think you're alone. I know you're the only one that you think your heart breaks this way. Let me give you some insight. The only reason that you feel that heartbreak the way you do is because you're feeling a little bit of what God feels. And that can't even be measured. The fact that we're hurting for someone else just shows that God's heart is hurting for them even more. Those, you know, sometimes we can get even angry at God. Why does God allow this to happen? Why did this happen? And something inside of us just rides up. Why does this happen? God, I don't understand why. And our hearts are being broken and we got to need to remember that's just a little bit about how God feels because he is their dad. He is our creator. He is the one that all things are made through. And so I just think about that with my own daughter. You know, yeah, you guys can maybe join with me a little bit in prayers or in pain if something happens to Kobe but it's going to be nowhere near what I feel for. It's the same way with us, with God. When we begin to feel that, we need to remember it's about more than just us. It's about more than just them. It's about Jesus. So I want to offer a prayer this morning. I'd like us all just to close our eyes. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. All who are weak All who are weary Come to the Rock
Come to the fountain.